Blog Talk Radio. Church. So I would love to um, 
just kind of talk about what it means for the, the that part of our struggle to be over. And now that people have somewhat been able to open that door and open that window to see that there's something beyond what we've been handed and what we've been offered, there are going to be people who want to know, well, what's next? What do I do now? Um, and I'm, we can hopefully we can answer some questions that listeners may have to that. So what would you say to a listener who is thinking, okay, I, I, I'm ready to dig my way out of the social mental programming that has been given to me, but I'm not sure what to do next. What, what would you tell them the next step would be? Well, you know, uh, really that, that level of unsurety is, is the next step. You know, having the freedom to not, to not be sure on, on what should happen next. Uh, that movement towards freedom is, is the key. And when you can come to that place where you're unsure, you're actually in a very good place because there's no mechanisms kicking in telling you what your next step should be. Uh, unfortunately, and, and this is kind of a, maybe somewhat of a warning to those who may have felt that they have dug themselves out, as you put it, and they feel like they have an immediate path of um, execution as far as to what they do next. One of the things that you want to be careful of, if you finally can get to that place where you truly do feel like you've unraveled uh, the coils and the layers of, of uh, egotistical uh, programming, ego programming, and uh, identification that's been implanted, if you've un unraveled that, if you truly have unraveled that, then at that point you should not be looking to model anyone else's behavior, no matter how great you feel that person is or how great that person has postured themselves in front of you. Okay, if you're at that place where you're still even looking at ancestors, whether they be your blood answers, ancestors or they be national ancestors and saying, you know, this one carved a trail and or started cutting a trail and uh -huh. we need to continue to work, then you're still at that place of freedom or free thinking or a free mind. Okay, so I would precursor my answer just with that that warning, you know, as to first of all, let us find out are we really at that place. Um, it's a movement towards freedom, freedom. of course, um, but there's a couple of things that we kind of need to look at. Uh, you know, when you ask that question, uh, we don't certainly know. We don't need to depend on uh, religion anymore for our answers, uh, though we never really did need to. Uh, as you said, you know, we were kind of programmed into doing that. Uh, as children, we didn't feel we needed someone to necessarily explain the universe to us. We conceptualized it through our own internal wisdom. And through, the own, and through conceptualizing it through our own internal wisdom, in fact, we created what the universe is to be. You know, for instance, uh, when, when parents tell their children that uh, about the four seasons, they create the four seasons. You know, that's just yeah. how it is. You know, I, um, I have a lot of people in the Caribbean, in my family as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that we don't say, like when we greet each other, we never talk about the weather. You know, like in America, that's that's a normal thing. Mm -hmm. You know, right, right. So mm -hmm. like Caribbean, that's not even a part of the dialogue because it's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> always the same. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so that doesn't even come into the conversation. So it's that level uh -huh. of projected programming sometimes that we use to program the universe based on our internal programming. Um, so there's a there's a few precursory uh, warnings in there. Um, but really that, that place of coming to that pinnacle of freedom, it's not really about um, doing anything. What should you do? Uh, in truth, no one can really tell you that because if you've actually totally come to that place where you are now self-actualizing, then you determine what the next step is. Okay, no one can tell you that. Um, even when you read these religious books that, like you refer to, sis, you know, the religions, um, people are just telling you where they got to in their last step. That's it. You know, that's why no one can mm. really actively depict the other side for you because by the time you get to the other side, you can't express that reality or if you want to call it a reality, you can't express that moment in words anyway. The human brain could not fathom it. 
you know, so um, w- one of the things we have to look at uh, when we speak about what the struggle is, uh, for so many of us who think we've unplugged from the matrix or we've conquered the, uh, the bestial nature of religion, um, we have to really be able to intelligently make the, make the determination if we actually have done that. Many of us have not. Um, we thought that the struggle was against religious institutions. We thought that the struggle was against uh, social institutions or societal oppression or financial oppression, but um, that was a trick. The reality is whether we're looking at um, the enemy, we often look at the enemy like it's an uh, external thing, um, and that comes from the same reality of thinking that God is an external thing. So if you come to a place in your growth where you can finally say, well, I am this this divine entity that these religions have been speaking about. I am self-actualized. I am this higher force and this higher power uh, reflecting upon itself, looking upon itself, seeing itself as its own fleshly adornment. I am the most high. Then you also have to come to the acceptance that you also are the most low. Okay, so if you're the God, you're also the mm-hmm. devil. If you're if you're the ally, you're also the the enemy. So I would venture to say, in fact, um, that one struggle has only led you now to the next struggle, <laughs> and the next struggle is defining, determining um, the God and or the ally and enemy within. That would that would really be, you know, I don't think you, we've come to a place. Uh, where we can necessarily say that um, the enemy has been removed because, in truth, it's only been identified as now being an internal force and not an external force. So just like we've gotten rid of these external religious institutions um, because we've understood that spirituality is a thing that lies within, then we also have to understand that the problem had always lied within all these years as well. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Which brings my question. I have a question, and it's pretty much the same question, but it's pretty much steered toward mythology and archetypes mm-hmm. and all of the mythology that we've. Uh, 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 I can't say that word for nothing. <laughs> all of the mytho- all of the mythology that we've observed all the way up to this current time speak to the phenomena of the lower versus the higher, the light versus the dark. Do you see? In your sense of awareness, a time where that mythology is eradicated and we take on something else in terms of a, of a general mythology. Certainly, um, that's an excellent question. Um, what what you're speaking about is the new world order. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the new new world order takes mm-hmm. place, then yes, the paradigms of, of those mythologies will change. Now, the new world order though is an individual process. So when I'm talking about New World Order, I'm not talking about chips in your hand and marks on your foreheads and one world currency. I'm speaking about that moment when your first eye truly comes online and your world becomes new and how you order the molecules and the atoms and your reality and in your contractual reality, how you order those atoms around becomes new. Okay, so... um, that mythology changing only happens when you decide to break the cycle of that mythology. For instance, uh, the mythology that we, that we usually read teaches us about various archetypes. And when we come into certain uh, spiritual traditions, you know, whether they're religious ones or we, we finally grow beyond and graduate into maybe some more indigenous, older, uh, more accurate spiritual traditions, a lot of times we'll start learning about different archetypes that um, we seem to express ourselves more as. Okay, now, of course, we know in the European tradition we have some that are very commonly known to people like Shango and Oshun and so forth and so on. And when you read about their mythology, when you read about the understanding of how those forces work, a lot of times you'll say, wow, this looks just like my life. I've gone through situations just like this or And then the more you go through those situations or the more you learn and you study, you'll see your life is mirroring the mythology. Well, and a lot of times we'll rejoice in that because we say, wow, we're manifesting at the level of those archetypes or as some would like to even say God. 
without realizing you're just repeating a pattern. If you're reading something from mythology that's ancient and that's prehistoric and you're just retracing those steps, you're not really doing much of anything because you're retracing the steps of archetypes that you're actually older than. So it's it's the parent now acting like the child. So like you said, that the, the light and dark or the high and low um, trap, prison of the mythology breaks when your first eye comes online and you're no longer operating from the paradigm of those dualities. The dualities of yin and yang, male and female, light and dark, are actual, actually binary traps. It has to be zero or it has to be one. It has to be something or it has to be nothing. Okay, and to be real clear, because I think um, it's important to be clear on this point sometimes, I'm not speaking about homosexuality and saying, well, we all just need to flow in and out of any um, gender assignment. I'm speaking more just about the trap that comes from the lack of the understanding of androgyny or the lack of the understanding of, of holistic spirituality where it's not a this or that. It's not, a, it's not opposing forces. So that mythology will change when we break out of the prison of not only mythology, but when we break out of the prison of duality, of this and that. And that comes from acceptance, when we can accept the whole, which is very hard. Because just like I said earlier, accepting the whole means that you have to accept that not only are you the most high, but you're the most low debauchery mm-hmm. beast as well. What would you say is the biggest um, roadblocks that people face on their road to becoming more spiritual or growing spiritually um, when they are just starting to emerge from um, some attachments that they had to religion? What are some of the pitfalls that people that you might experience with some of your some of the people that you've worked with? Have you noticed? something that is kind of a pattern of what people have been letting go of those attachments and and thinking that they've moved into something spiritual but have hit a roadblock that is preventing them from really um, letting go and becoming and the unfolding in which they are seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I would say, and, and, you know, to align my answer with your question, because you said really those who are emerging, emerging, so those kind of first steps, uh, okay. I would say the mm-hmm. first issue that people run into is issues with their family. You know, as I often okay. tell okay. my clients, family is the worst thing going. You know, when you're coming into <laughs> the realization of who and what you are, they're the first ones who are going to tell you how crazy you are, you didn't grow up like this, mm-hmm. We're worried about you. We need to do an intervention, so forth and so on. So on. So mm-hmm. Those are the ones, that, you know. Um, so one of the things that people need to gear up for is the destruction of relationships. You know, you cannot mm-hmm. assail into the ethers or assail into those into that higher elevated awareness without destroying your relationships. And you have to literally destroy. And sometimes rebuild, sometimes not. But you have to destroy and rebuild your relationship with everything, every force and every person on the planet when you come into your higher awareness. So that's your children, your spouse, whoever, whoever, whoever. So and I'm and I'm picking those that are typically the closest to us. But you have to come into mm-hmm. a new understanding of how you will relate with those individuals. That's that's the number one uh issue that I find and then um, also, many people are still uh, very much traumatized from the Spanish Inquisition, you know. So they have this, this um, yeah, very much so. I'd say they, they, they're traumatized um, from the Inquisition. So what happens is that when people come into something outside of the big three religious structures, no matter how um, ethnic-centric they are, whatever ethnicity they claim to be their origins, and I'm 
with you know depending on people who claim some um um indigenous more so ethnic origins there's always this feeling that I see for those who are emerging where there's a there's a measure of guilt you know um like mm-hmm. I can't throw away mm-hmm. all of my Christianity or I can't throw away all of my Islam or I can't throw away any all of my religious structure because in doing so, not only am I disrespecting my ancestors, I'm disrespecting my elders, and I'm just afraid that maybe I will go to hell. Maybe they were right. right. You know, mm-hmm. so one of the things that people tend to do to be safe is they'll drag a lot of that mentality and mindset into the next stage of consciousness. Okay, so instead of amen all the time, it's ashe now. Okay, mm. and instead of when something happens, uh, like you know when our when our girls get kidnapped and things like that, horrific situations. Instead of you know what, we got to bring this to the cross. We got to lay this burden on the Lord. Instead of that, now it's well, you know, I'm a I'm a pray to my ancestors because this situation is gonna be worked out because the ancestors won't allow this. Right. That's right. that same religious. Right. Don't do anything, but just give these big rituals and ceremonies that emulate the signs of action, and we're okay with that. You know, so I, I find those. I would say those would be the top two uh, people bringing in um, those religious ideas and the religious laziness, and uh, certainly people having very warped perceptions of how they should interact with their families as adults. And the stock that they take in their family's uh, perception and opinion of them can be a huge stumbling block. Can you speak more of what you mean by um, people's warped perception of how they deal with their family? Can you talk a little bit about that? What do you mean about that? Sure. Sure. Um, well, here in uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say North America, you know, we're, 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 uh-huh. we're all at um, – one of the things that we have a little trouble admitting is the level of dysfunction that exists in our family, our families. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, you know, we speak about people emerging into their consciousness, and we'll just we'll just throw a number out there, and I'm just going to throw an arbitrary number just for the sake of this this discussion. Let's say if most people come into the awareness of who and what they are in their mid twenties, okay. Um, which for many would be considered a, uh, a wonderful thing, a fortunate thing, because most people don't come into their awareness that, that young. It's usually actually later than that. But well, let's just say the mid-20s. Um, we sometimes fail to see how that's a failure on the part of our family structure because you shouldn't be falling into consciousness at the point where you're an adult. Your consciousness okay. should have been introduced to you, cultivated, and developed in you when you were a child. Okay, mm-hmm. so one of the first okay. things that we have sometimes trouble admitting and looking at is that the family structures that we spring out of are very dysfunctional and backwards. Okay, so not not just to mention um, the, the attachments that we have a lot of times uh, to the opinions and the perceptions that our family has. For instance, if you know that the, the family structure you came out of was dysfunctional, no one was conscious. No one was striving towards consciousness. You had a bunch of deadheads. They were asleep, but they showed you some level of love, or maybe they didn't. Um, if all of that was in place, or maybe within your family there was a strong plantation mentality in place, but all of that seems to be okay because uh, when you start coming to your, into your consciousness, now all of a sudden the opinions of these highly ignorant people matter so much as opposed to you understanding if I'm coming into my consciousness, I can still love my family, certainly, but I have to take an honest look at where I came from. I have to take an honest look at grandma and grandpa. Instead of me just saying they're still together, can I look at them and say, well, you know what, let's look at them within the context of community. Has my grandmother mm-hmm. and grandfather ever fought for the freedom of their community? And if they did, would they still be together? You know, maybe it's easier mm-hmm. to stay together when you're both deadheads, you know, as opposed to when right. you're actually engaging the enemy, 
when you're engaging society and when you're actually making efforts towards transformation and growth. Because once you start growing, you run the risk of growing apart. So sometimes, our, uh, like I said, you know, our perceptions are very warped as far as how we view our family and how we view what our responsibility should be to them. The reality is you came into this world to fulfill your own purpose. And if you fulfill that purpose, you'll bring blessings and strength to your family as opposed to trying to nurture uh, the garden that you came from, that you were born out of for the rest of your life. You can't do that. You have to spread like a weed almost. (laughs) You have to spread out. Right. I think it's really key that you mentioned um, dysfunction. Um, And your definition of dysfunction goes to the mentality and how the family is maybe in a state of ignorance or less than awake. A lot of people, when they hear dysfunction, think that their family is in good shape because they're, you know, no one's being beaten, no one's molested, no one is, you know, doing anything that we consider or what society tells us as blatant, very visible dysfunction. But the the fact that you have placed yourself very spiritually limited, um, people who refuse to grow, um, families that can't communicate, families that are not open for change, are also under that umbrella of dysfunction. So I think it's I think it's very key and very important to teach, especially people of melanated people that because when comparing themselves to families that they consider worse off because someone might be experiencing physical or mental or sexual abuse and, well, my family is not doing that, so I think we're okay. We love each other, even though you might not even know what love is because no one is able to fully express themselves. Um, I think it's very important to teach people a wider version of what dysfunction is because I think when people are starting to um, wake up or emerge from the little box that they've been placed in in their family, they feel like they they do feel almost guilty that they're abandoning their family because they can't bring their family with them out of this dysfunction. So to be able to hear that and to understand that, I think it was very important for people to hear. So I I hope people... um, really take that and, and listen to that. Um, and I think um, the idea that you're, you talked about, there are a lot of people who choose to not emerge because they don't want to or refuse to grow or refuse to hear or they're fighting themselves in their own personal growth because they don't want to leave people behind because they do feel like I need to be loyal to my family. I think that happens a lot too. So the more we talk about that and the more it becomes um, a norm for people to know that it's a normal thing for you to feel these things, I think people will have feel more courageous and less guilty about changing, not abandoning your family or being less loyal, but changing the relationship with each member of their family, because if you change, your relationships have to change too, or else you're just going to keep going in a circle. Basically, you're just, you know, keep getting dragged back every time you are around your family. So thank you for that. Um, Sean, did you have any questions or anything to say about that before I move on? You know what? I actually did, but um, I got... (laughs) The baby in my lap. I'm in there playing daddy, Mr. Mom, right now. Let me just not be completely off my place. I had a good question, too, but I'll, I'll jump in with it in a second. Okay. I will add on one thing, too, sis. You know, it, it's okay. important for people to understand that once you come into your consciousness or once you, you feel that you've awoken, uh, one of the things that you have to understand is that you're, you've awoken because you've been picked. You're very special. For mm-hmm. most people who come to their, their higher awareness, if you look at your family structure, oftentimes you'll find that you're the only one. You might be lucky. You might go to a family reunion to find that there's a, there's a cousin of yours or something, you know, mm-hmm. way 
somewhere else who just started getting into metaphysics or something like that. But for the most part, there's usually just one person per generation, and that person is the gateway individual for the family. They're, they're the Eshu, they're the Hermes, they're the Loki, they're the Pan. They're the pineal for the entire family. If you could look at your family as a body unit, that you, that one person who's awoken, that's the, the pineal of the body's family coming online. That is the rapture for the family. That's when Christ is coming through the clouds. So what happens is that that individual has to understand that that has happened not just because they're just so brilliant and they're so special, but because the ancestors have put as much thrust as they could muster from the little places they were able to steal a little bit of power here and there, here and here, to, to give you these constant messengers. They pushed you forward to be the one. So a lot of times you'll find that even in that, that same instance, uh, you'll be the one who has overwhelming dreams. You know, you got all these messages coming to you, especially you'll find this with, with women. You know, sometimes the, the messages come through so strong and so rapidly that, you know, um, they get these severe headaches. They suffer from migraines. Uh, I've known women to, to have seizures because there's so many. You know, if you have 300 people in your family and your ancestors, which are infinite, have no one to speak to except for you, you know, just imagine you being uh, a funnel. You're the bottleneck in the funnel, and all these different energies are trying to communicate through you alone. So one thing that you have to be comfortable with or come to a place of comfort comfort with is understanding that you may have to start a new lineage based on the position that you've been preempted to, you know, spiritually. You may have to understand that, you know what, I know this is our family land. Because a lot of times people even go through name changes and they feel awkward about that. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. that you can always mm-hmm. test if your awakening is, is real, um, ask yourself what your family calls you. Okay, or what do you call when you go to work? And that will help you to kind of see if this really is, or if your paradigm has really shifted or if you're still in the place where you're playing make-believe. But you, you'll come to a paradigm shift, and that paradigm shift may say, you know what, I love my family, but maybe for the past two, 300 years, we've been doing some really backward stuff, and I need to start, reset and start from here. And one of the key things also when dealing with your family, you have to understand that, you know, you can't allow your, your ancestors to be disrespected, you know, under any circumstances. So that when, when you have that thought in your mind, like, listen, my ancestors put forth a lot of energy to appoint and anoint me to this position. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have them disrespected. I'm not going to hide anything for you. I'm not going to call myself something for you. I'm not even going to have you allow you to make fun of me and this, this way that I live and this way that I function is not going to, I'm not going to have them disrespected. And when you come mm. in with that mentality, it makes it um, sometimes a little more clear, I feel, when you're dealing with, with that family uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sean, I, you might be on mute. I don't think you're on mute. Oh, yeah, I was. I was just um, saying, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, okay. And that, of course, is important for people to understand too. Is people who feel like they're the black sheep to know that this is you've been chosen or you've been picked, and there aren't necessarily going to be anyone else in your family. Because I know a lot of times, and there is a, a particular stage in our development where when you start to um, become aware of certain things, you kind of want to everybody to come along with you because you start to see purpose to your journey and you start to see a way out of some of the um, suffering that you may have been going through in your ignorance and in your struggle to kind of climb out of that. And so you want other people to come along with you because I don't want to see you unhappy when I know you don't have to, but if they're not on that stage or they're not on that, that's not a part of their path or their journey, you can't bring anyone in with you. We're all in this as individuals because we all have different paths. Um, speaking of which, we that's mentioned something earlier. So that's, short, that's, that's, short-sighted, that's short-sightedness to me. That's what I consider spiritual short-sightedness. I mean, if you, if you think about it, 
if you're worrying about what somebody feels in terms of levels of comfort or discomfort within one mm-hmm. fraction of a time span, according, you know, in, in accordance to the grand scheme, you know, it's, this is a matter of looking at something too closely. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, but it's a matter what I'm kind of speaking of, like when you see people going to church every, and I'm going to use church because I got a church background, sort of, but, um, you know, when when you've liberated yourself from certain things and you still see people dragging themselves to church and being miserable and then this victim mentality and you you want to you want to shake them and wake them up and say you don't have to be like this. In fact, it, you, this is all wrong. Drop all that and liberate yourself. But you can't. They can't hear you until they're able to hear. Well, you would know you what agree it is. Or, also, when okay. I, I would say to a degree, but also uh, when people come to a place of awareness, you start to get that feeling like you're a frontiersman. You know, like you're a pioneer mm-hmm. in something. You become a pioneer mm-hmm. for your family, but. Um, Pioneers get shot off their horse. So whoever's in the front leading the charge, that's the one who gets shot first. You know, so right. sometimes if there's a level of cowardness there where it's like I don't want to do this alone. I don't want to, you know, I find a lot of times people try to come in to things as teams. You know, they go to a, to lectures and events right. together um, because it's, it's affirming. You know, self-affirmation right. and self-validation is, again, one of the challenges that we have in this society the ability to really tune into where you should be instinctively and intuitively without the need for external influence is very difficult because we live in a society where um, babies are not held properly, then they're held at the wrong times. They become very self-centered, you know, and people are not really taught critical thinking skills to really determine, okay, well, I know this is right beyond the feeling. You know, we're, we're very emotion-driven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that feeling of, uh, well, I want other people to understand, I want other people to know, a lot of times it's not as, as, um, it's not as selfless as one would think. Oftentimes it's just if I can get enough people doing this along with me, then it must make sense. I must be doing the mm-hmm. right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's, there's kind of the other side to that uh, where, there's, there's an ego thing that's happening here, too, because a lot of times when you first come into your awareness, you start to put on this external display, this big-time show, name changes, your look changes, you eat differently, you talk differently, and you're putting on all this external show because you feel really awkward about the lack of internal changes. So at least if I can change this thing that I don't feel so bad, about what I'm doing. I mean, I know some people who've come into their awareness, so they call it, and they, you know, they work out, they're eating a certain way, they're studying all the time, uh, they threw the TV out the window, you know, they did all the typical things that people do when they come into higher awareness, you know, and they try to live their life, you know, as far as the diet piece and their their actions as, as clean as they possibly can, but then they get into the bed with someone and perform the most debaucherous low vibration acts, you know, mm-hmm. um, I know, I, I, I know people like that who've come to me struggling, you know, people who, who do these, these orgies, for instance, and they you know, I have people who are lecturers, I know, and they're, they're going around and they're teaching and everything. And then they're like, but you know what? I go on Craigslist and I just find random people <laughs> to have sex with and to do sex parties mm-hmm. and orgies with, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so there's a, it's because they've invested so much in the external thing. That's the going back again to the topic. The struggle is over. Well, are you sure? <laughs> you know, because a lot of times, you know, and I'm I'm not saying it to you. I'm saying the individual mm-hmm. needs to ask themselves: Am I sure the struggle is over? Because I've been able to make a lot of external changes, or my ego has propelled me to now go around and browbeat everybody else, and to teach everybody else the goodness of what this way is. But the truth is, you know, um, light moves faster than sound. So people will be more moved by what they see. If you can be the change and the beauty in what you're preaching, you don't really need to say anything. But because you know you can't be, you have to now run your mouth and you have to try to preach to everyone now. You know, so a lot of times that ties into what we want our, our family to do and what we want our family to be. The truth is if you can be it, 
then they'll slowly start asking you questions. If you can show them that this way of being is superior, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have any problems in life and everything is going to be smooth, but, you know, people can tell when your energy has changed. Then they'll ask you, what are you doing? What are you up to? You know, you're glowing now, you know. Um, But you know you're not going to get that unless you make those critical changes, which is dealing with facing that enemy within, facing those blockages within. And unfortunately, it's, it's a sad thing, but in my experience, in my work experience, the majority of the people who I've worked with who have come to me with this I'm conscious uh, persona or statement and declaration, they have done none of the internal work, none of it. You know, uh, they know how to greet me. They know the songs. They, you know, they got a car full of dub music. You know, they don't eat certain out of bodegas and corner store. They got all of that down pat. But a lot of times, because they've done, they've done so much of that, they're the most egotistical and arrogant people you'd ever Absolutely. meet. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And if, if you're conscious, you're going to be more polite. You're going to have the best manners in the world. That's a sign of higher vibration. It's a very simple thing. Those with really good manners tend to be of a much higher vibration. I don't care what religion they are. Low vibration, you're nasty, you're rude, you're disrespectful, you're arrogant. You don't have it. You, you, you just, you, you ain't got it. Right. I agree. I agree. Wow. I never thought about it in that context, but you're absolutely right. Well, and is that, is that just because it's not a, you're not, trying to make an effort to be polite because I know again if you're if we're, if we're speaking about dealing with with family or dealing with the changing of relationships there's kind of a line of being polite but not feeling responsible for other people's feelings or how they take information um, yeah so when you said when, kind of know what I'm saying because a lot of times no I'll, I'll just give an example of an experience I'm I tend to be very blunt in a family full of people who are very interested in being super overprotective of people's feelings because everybody's hypersensitive because everybody is interested in hiding and appearing to be okay but not okay um, and so me being a very truthful person and blunt may say something that is taken as being rude or not polite, but when I'm just speaking my truth. Does yeah, that but you sense? can hurt people with the truth. <laughs> you, that's, we have a thing called yeah. brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. we, we, we do some of the most irresponsible things in the name of keeping it real. You know, mm-hmm. so... Um, mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's something that plagues the quote-unquote conscious community. Um, There's a time for blunt objects, certainly. There's a time for razor-sharp objects. And there's a time for soft objects. And when you come to that higher awareness, you don't lock yourself down to any any identity prison. You know, as in saying, I'm this type of person. I'm I'm an Aquarius, so you know I got to act like this. I'm a Cancer. You know how we are. No. That's for lower vibration people. When you come into mm-hmm. higher vibration, you become whatever you need to be in that moment to get through to a person. If exactly. you're offending people okay. and in that environment they're considering you to be rude, then you're not getting through. Okay. It's, so it's, what's the point in even talking anyway? <laughs> you know, and yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, step back. And this is where it gets tough for us. You know, sometimes we have to step back. And really see if we're being effective, you know. Like, and I and I and I'm really saying that, um, you know, for all of us as, as quote unquote conscious people, because I think everyone's conscious. That's kind of my take. I don't think there's a one set of people who are conscious and certain people are not unconscious. I just think that some people can articulate their consciousness right. better than others. You know, conscious. I think everybody's conscious. But any, my, my point is, um, as a group. We'll say as a collective, I think it's, it's certainly time now 
you know, as we're speaking about the ages that we're coming in, to really step back and determine if any of this stuff that we're doing is working. You know, is, is, it, is it actually doing anything aside from making us feel smarter and better than people who don't know it? Like, have we really been able at this point to raise up anything aside from a fairy tale or a dream? And I'm not speaking about on the individual level. You know, like, do our communities, well, do we have any communities yet? You know, like, so I would say when we're using certain language or when we're, you know, again, being rude and we're being arrogant, we have to look for the effectiveness of it because there's a time to be silent. You know, I like, I could walk around. I know a lot of things about a lot of different things, and I could walk around all day just espousing, you know, like Brainy Smurf, just espousing all of, you know, my <laughs> right. you You know, I could create religion, you know, you guys. Right. You know, but how effective would that really be? Is that, you know, people don't always need information. You know, sometimes I think really we're mm-hmm. on information overload at, at this point. Absolutely. Sometimes people Absolutely. need very simple things to do. They need to, or very simple mm-hmm. things to take with them. You know, sometimes a fortune cookie can be the most profound thing that happened to a person all year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so I think that we just have to learn to be a little bit more flexible, but to be more honest and realistic about how far all of this great consciousness and truth we have, how far has it truly gotten us? Like, what have we really done different? And that's kind of, you know, what I was saying, where people bring in their religious and, and egotistic identities into their consciousness, and you're basically doing the same thing that you were doing when you were in church. Not you, but, you know, the people were doing mm-hmm. in church. Preaching, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're doing something that's not working, mm-hmm. and you don't want to admit that it's not working because you're too lazy to find something else, you know, um, so it's it's really again is the struggle truly over? Um, is it always a time to espouse what our truths are, or is it sometimes time to do something a little different? Do we know what that little different is, and are we willing to accept that perhaps even being conscious or being Afrocentric or Afrocentered um, or African centered is that a stage to something else, or is that the end? You know, I I, mm-hmm. I think it's time to ask even those questions of ourselves. Um, wow. Is there an is there an end? I mean, if you're still here, you're still growing. Do you know? Are people looking for an end point where they know this? I have arrived. This is the end of my evolution. Is there such a thought? Well. We don't really know in a sense because it's different for each individual. That's That was kind of the point. You know, when, and when I say the point, I'm saying the point in you being created. You were created to perform a certain task. I don't, you know, I, I can tell you what that task looks like in earthly terms. That's when people come to me and they get readings and they get their etas and they get their life path readings and things like that. I tell them what they are slated to do on this planet um, with their purposes in this season and this time in this planet. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is their end point. That's a means to an end. You know, if you come down and you find out, oh, I, I was slated to be a high priest or high priestess, all right, big deal. That's just a means to an end because when the Most High and the ancestors speak to you, they don't say, oh, great high priestess so-and-so, we call you. They don't right. speak to you. They're going to call your name, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle. You know, mm-hmm. your name may be Ma'at Ra'at, Michelle, you know. Um, so when we when we kind of come to that understanding, you know, that's what I was speaking about earlier, I guess we could say, with the New World Order. Everyone's New World Order happens at a different time. Everyone's rapture happens at, at a different time. So everyone's point of evolution or their last point of evolution is going to look different. That's the amazing thing about this this whole journey. You know, for some, you may have people in your family who, like, who eat pork every day. Like, they, they just love their pork, and it's killing them. And, you know, you may have someone who decides, you know what, I'm going to lay off the pork. I'm only going to eat it for Christmas and 
Thanksgiving, where, whenever else people eat those meals, I don't even know anymore, but I guess Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> and I'm just going to do beef and chicken. <laughs> that may be their last point of evolution. That may be all they needed to come yeah. to the planet and do. Everybody has yeah. a step that they're supposed to take, okay. and we have to respect their step. And that's the challenge when you want to go back and preach to your family because you might have someone who says, you know what, I'm going to start wearing a fro. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the relax out. I'm going to wear a fro. But, no, I'm still going to church. I still believe in, in, in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to wear the fro. That may have been what they came here to do. Leave them alone. Because who's to mm. say mm-hmm. how far you've truly gotten? You know, how, okay. like who's, right. who's to really say? So certainly if we're still here, there's work to be done. But um, and some of some of us have expired very early, and a lot of times it happens when when it seems like they're just getting ready to take off, you know, and then it seems like they expired, they're out of here because those few little things that they may have done, maybe they just wrote one song, that's all they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different, you know. Those of us who last a long time and we're out here on the battlefield. Um, working with our people and, and helping to wake our people up, you know, for 60, 70 years, um, we come with a much heavier karmic responsibility. And usually that happens because in past lifetimes we were so far off the mark that we set our, our soul matrix so far out of balance that we got so much catch up, catching up to do. You know, we're praised for it. We're certainly praised, you know, um, but there are people who drop um, atom bombs on other people, and they get parades and, and praise. So sometimes we, pr- we praise people for the wrong things, and we, we tend to overlook the, what we consider to be small things that other people do that are really great things. You know, we, we, we miss it. Because mm. we're looking for the big things. We're looking for the big okay. things. Well. I have an elder sister right now who's been wearing a wig all her life. She's 80, 88, and she recently went through um, a little health scare, and she was away from home, and she didn't have, we had to rush her to the hospital, and she didn't have her wig. She went out, and she was like, oh, my wig, and this, that, 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 that. And, and I told her, you know, I could have went and got her another wig and everything. You know, I've never really seen her without her wig in all the years that I've known her. And something in me, I decided not to get the wig. I said, well, you know, if she makes a fuss, I'll go buy one, but I'm not going to get it. And pretty much all her hair is gone now because she's been wearing a wig for so many years, so she doesn't, she's pretty much bald. But um, she says she doesn't even want to wear the wig anymore now. Now, she's worn this wig for, like, you know, 50, 60 years. Wow. And now she's saying, I feel so good. She wow. said, my skin looks so good now. And everything, and I feel so bright and light without having that thing on my head. You know, praise be wow. to the most high. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you know, that's maybe that was all that needed to happen. You know, I don't need to dig wow. in on her. Yeah, I would say mm-hmm. that's right. I don't need to dig in on her and say, now, now how about you give up that this and how about this kind of thing? <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. That yeah, was big enough, it. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's individual. Uh, uh, yeah. See, I'm probably the worst person to be on the talk show with you because anything that I have to say would just be trying to replicate what you just said. I'm in total agreement with everything. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to think of something to add. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, but we need your color. See, right. people get tired right. of my color. I mean, you want to drink great Kool Aid? You put a lemon in it. We need another color. That's, that spectrum is what makes this whole thing interesting. That's why Absolutely. we're so funky, weird, and, you know, out of this world, you know, because it's, yeah. it's that, that variation that makes it so exciting. And that's the variation yeah. that God and the devil wish they had. They don't have yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Only, mm-hmm. only we have that, those who walk in the planet. Right. So, we, so when they combine... When that when you were talking about earlier that light and dark the mythology the mm-hmm. male female that God devil principle they combine just to create these funky humans right so they can see all yeah. of these variations because they couldn't achieve it on their own because one was right. saying man all I can do is this white stuff 
And the other one was like, man, all mm-hmm. I can do is this black stuff. It's black stuff. I noticed something happening in between because we got all these colors that are contained inside of our spectrums, but mm-hmm. we're forced because we can't break our word. If I say let there be light or if I say I, I'm the most high, I have to be the most high. I can't be the most low, but I like to be the most low sometimes. And if the other one says, well, look, i got to be lord of the underworld, man. You know, i got to stay down here where all this dark transformation and carbon is. I like right. to be with this this orange and pink and other stuff is. So right. we get the free will where we can pivot off the square, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. that's the beauty, you know. We we come uh-huh. to be the next stage in evolution that the God and the devil couldn't oh. achieve on their own. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But they have to part to make it happen. Which reminds me of the topic for the next show. I want to get into. <laughs> I want to get into whether or not, and we will, you can even touch on the morality issue. If there is a morality issue with the phenomenon that people talk about in terms of psychedelics being an integral part of our spirituality. Mm-hmm. Can we do that next yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want, I want, we can tap into that. Yeah, I want to get into. Yeah, that. that'll be good. I want. I want to really get into that. This has been quick, man. It's an hour already. Yes. Yeah, we got about three minutes left. Gone by extremely quickly, but I want to give you a chance to. Can you um, let our listeners know in between segments um, where they could get more information, reach you, talk to you, um, or how they could get more of your what you have to offer as far as you know wisdom and and information and guidance. Can you give some of your information to our listeners? Certainly. Um, I run a school by the name of the Sadulu House, and you can always go to S-A-D-U-L-U-H-O-U-S-E.com. And um, on the site, it shows you about the classes and things if you want to sign up. But also um, our event list, I got a tour popping off this summer. Uh, we will be going cross country, and actually, probably uh, I'll be leaving out tomorrow. I'm going down the West Coast as well to do some work. So, if any, I also mm. do readings and spiritual consultations, things like that. So, I'll be pretty much. I'm in the New York area, but I'm going all the way down. So, if anybody uh, wants to meet in person, they can contact me uh, through the contact form on that site. Uh, they can also go to HaruAsan.com, which is H-R-U-A-S-S-A-A-N. Dot com, um, which is my personal site uh, where they can get more information about, I guess, my calculations and uh, my mission. All right, so between those two sites, they can sign up for the newsletter and check out my. Um, I also have a block talk radio show on Fridays and some other days, but they can get the information uh, through those sites. Certainly. Great. Do you know what cities you're going to, West Coast? Do you have them uh, yeah, on we, your site? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on the site because we we got a whole. I I know some of them, but I'll probably say the wrong ones. But there's about twelve stops uh, we're making. But uh, you know, on the site, there's there's a whole event list. When you know, we'll be in Albuquerque, Kansas, Oklahoma, um, a whole bunch of New Mexico, yeah, a whole bunch of other spots as well. Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Not too far from us. <laughs> we're in Colorado. No. Um, yeah. I'm in yeah, New Mexico. Probably the closest. So, cool. You'll have to. We'll have to look that up. Well, I want to thank you. Um, this has been great. I certainly learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. And looking forward to the next show. So, thanks again wow. for joining us. And um, hopefully, everyone again want to remind you. If you, everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. Go to Blog Talk or iTunes and subscribe so that only um, become more visible. Um, and you can let us know if you have any show ideas or anything that you want to talk to. Um, and you can also go to um, SuduluHouse.com to get information on classes and events um, from uh, Yuya and get more information. And you, we'll see you guys again next month. So thanks again, and until next time. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.